Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are going to discuss Easter things, and you'll realize why I chose those words pretty soon. So let's get started. Hey, hey Lindsay. Uh, this is Father Howard. It's always good to be able to gather and, and to do these. Uh, it really has been in many ways enjoyable. And yes, it's about Easter things, um, <clears throat> recognizing that we are approaching that marvelous, marvelous feast very quickly. It's, it's trying to figure out where it has all gone. But oftentimes there are questions that people ask and, and I wanted to get a little bit of a jump on that, questions that people ask of why are there different dates, you know, when, when people celebrate Easter. Easter dates, okay. You have the Roman rite or the Latin rite, which the Catholic Church is part of, and that celebrates it on the first Sunday after the first full, full moon, after the vernal equinox. And then you have the Orthodox Church, which celebrates it. Uh, sometimes they coincide, but they could be anywhere from two to four weeks apart. And so people have asked that questions. And people have asked about, you know, where the heck does the Easter bunny come in? And people have Easter asked... Easter bunny is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... I wanted to just to talk about a few of those kinds of things in, in order to give a, a folks a bit of insight but also, sometimes it can be, um, you know, one of those $64,000 questions, did you know why? Uh, and it's just, it's sometimes the, the strangeness of our Catholic tradition, our Christian tradition, that one would never guess because we've only experienced a short time of it. And yet, when you've been around for a couple of thousand years, you do some really weird things and for different reasons. And, um, you, you know, we, we don't think about it because like, well, Easter is always or Easter. No. And, and I remind people, the only thing that was always really is Jesus as Lord. That's about as always as you're going to get. Well, at least the last 2,000 years. Well, at least the, la yes, at least so the last 2,000 years. God so. is always. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. So it's, it changes all sorts of things change and for all sorts of reasons. And I wanted just to point a few of those things out as we talk about some Easter things. Let's, let's first of all, just talk a little bit about, you know, how is that date of Easter set? In early centuries, early years of Christianity, for quite some time, literally until about 325, uh, 325 years after Christ, um, and uh, which would have been around the Council of Nicaea, Easter was celebrated all over the place, different dates, different times. It was celebrated in different ways by different churches. Sometimes it would be a block of churches, maybe a country, maybe a citywide area for a while. Then sometimes it was each individual parish or church had their own day or time and, and way of celebrating it. So Easter was not set, and sometimes it was connected, you know, it was always connected to the, you know, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, of course. It was always connected there. But it was not always connected there in a specific way of saying, we need to set this day and time at the same time Passover was. That, that has not been. That, that's uh, the, the churches that have been, you know, the most closely connected to Jerusalem and specifically to the apostles in Jerusalem, they're the ones that really emphasize that need to be around the Passover time and to connect it. Uh, as you started to have the, with the diaspora and, you know, the spreading out of Christianity all over the place, now you had different groups celebrating it in different ways at different times, and it was no longer connected to the, um, to the specific dates or time of the, uh, of, of, the, of the Jewish, of the Feast of Passover. So up until 350, is that what you said? People just celebrated it willy-nilly? Yes, up okay. until around 350, uh, 320, I'm sorry, 325. 325, sorry. Uh, up until that time, it really was all over the place. Okay. There were some beginnings 
where groups were starting to organize. But it was still pretty much all over the place. Hmm. And You'd so, think that it would be closer to... At that point, it's so close to the when Jesus lived that people would be like, no, it happened around this time. Let's celebrate it yeah. here. Whereas now we're like, oh, it could be any time. And you would think so. And that indeed was the case around Jerusalem. Mm. But again, as you start moving away and you don't have the connectedness of the Jewish holiday, because now after a point, oh, sure. it was no longer the Jews... Everything wasn't yeah. They weren't the going Jewish necessarily into the Jewish areas. Traditions. They were going into the Gentiles. Because remember, Christianity in the beginning was just seen as another Jewish sect. That's all it was. It was just, and it was considered a troublemaking sect of the Jewish tradition. The presumption was: is we will just keep kind of will eventually enfold them in and just all mix up and mm-hmm. kind of like the melting pot type of theory. Mm-hmm. Well, that just never happened for lots of different reasons. And so as you no longer had the influence of the Jewish leadership or the Jewish community, then it simply became a way to celebrate this significant event rather than celebrating this significant event in the framework of the Jewish tradition. Okay, so then what happened in 325? Well, 325, before we jump to that, 325, because I I just want to bring this to mind, Um, because everything, as I mentioned, everything did revolve around Easter. Mm -hmm. Our whole liturgical year revolves around Easter. As they say, our Sundays, our seasons, and our saints all revolve around Easter. It's the sun, you might say, of our, uh, you know... um, uh, orbital S-U-N yes S-U-N of our <laughs> orbital existence um, and so you had it was based again on the resurrection and then it was through the uh, it was because in the first initially it was within the framework the context of the Jewish tradition it was based around the days of his crucifixion so you had you know the uh, Passover you had, which was the 14th day of the month of Nisan, which is the Jewish calendar. Mm. That's that's how it was set initially. Well, when you no longer use the Jewish calendar, okay, now you have some variances. And so what happens, it, beca- it became a, a group of people that started to look at all of this and said it had to be around these days so you had you know uh, holy thursday good friday the vigil and easter sunday so you had those four days and that time frame eventually it was called and referred to as quarto decimanism which is why i did not name that the title of this episode <laughs> that is true so you had the quarto decimanists who were many ways purists. This is the way it had to be. And then you had a whole other group that says, nah, this it doesn't have to be this way for any number of reasons. And so it, it, rather than becoming then a, a feast that was kind of set by this day in the calendar, it became movable in a way that it was, um, you know, it, it was all over the place. And so, you know, part of this was that the, um, what did they say that the um, Feast of, of Easter, as we know it today, can be anywhere around uh, March 22nd, which could be the earliest, about the earliest that it would be, uh, and then as late as April 25th. Now, we're getting toward the late yeah. time, you know, as far as this year. Uh, because in this year, uh, Easter is April 17th. But for the Orthodox Church, it's April 24th. And the Orthodox Church can be anywhere. Sometimes it'll be the same date. Otherwise, it can be a week to four weeks difference. And again, why, why is that? Has a come, it comes down to a lot of the fact of what happens when you, you start to have all of these churches doing all of these different things. It was finally at the Council of Nicaea, 
in 325 that said, we need to organize this. We need to put this, you know, where we're all celebrating it on the same day. And it then they decided that it was going to be the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Wow, so that's been a pretty long time. A long time, yes. But what happens, and everything was fine for a while, and they were using... You know, the when they set that, they were using the the Julian calendar set by Julius Caesar. Well, it was in 1582 mm-hmm. that Pope Gregory in, or Pope Gregory the Eighth introduces a new calendar system, which was called the Gregorian calendar. Is it that a family member of Gregorian chant? Yes, the same, yeah, same same group, yep. So you have now, now you need to translate from the Hebrew calendar, Jewish calendar, to the Julian calendar, to now the Gregorian calendar. We know things happen when our things are translated. Absolutely. And so... He shortened the year because the Julian calendar introduced in 46 BC, again, around a long time, Mm -hmm. is that it overestimated the length of a year by about 10 minutes, okay? So in that regard, Gregory, he shortens the the year by, what did they say? He shortened the year by 0.0075 days, which recalculated how the leap year would work, and it was aligning then to the actual vernal equinox. So, but introducing that caused a 10-day span in, in, in difference. Huh. So then, so then the switch was made, and eventually uh, the Gregorian and Julian calendars grow over time, and the calendars are actually between Gregorian and Julian, are actually now 13 days apart. So the Orthodox Church uses the Julian calendar? They stayed with the Julian calendar. Interesting. Didn't know uh, that. But I'm kind of stuck on he underestimated or overestimated by 10 minutes. Who figures that out? Well, remember is that astronomy uh, was not as precise as it is today. And so it was just that as they viewed things and as they measured, it's, you know, we... we but we, 10 minutes in the grand uh, scheme of things, well, come on. Know, but over time, in, in, it's not, you know, it's, it's like anything. You know, something that's a quarter inch off, you know, right here. I when guess. When you go out, it becomes much larger over time. And that's yes. really... You know what? What but took place? But really, their their solution was leap year. Come on. Hey, uh, you know. All right. What sorry. You? Tangent. So anyway, the the Orthodox Church they kept using the Julian calendar, and so this the consequence of that was is that the uh, the Orthodox Church um, would celebrate Easter anywhere like I said from two of the two or more weeks uh, off. So do they have like? January, February, March, like that, or is it something no, no. totally different? This is this is take this is where the vernal equinox, not the other days, are fine. Mm. You know, it's just this is how they set Easter. This is how they set Easter. So you know, for example, we have uh, uh, we will t- take a day and saying you know Thanksgiving or any day that's going to be the particular Thursday. And somebody else, but but you know, for example, who is it? Uh, Canada. Their Thanksgiving Day is, I think, a is a week earlier or later, or something like that. It's just how you look at different things and how you view it. So it's it's how they measured that when Easter would be, is that now it becomes you know uh, a bone of contention, and like I said, there were some serious fights because. Those who still believe that it needed to be absolutely connected to the Passover time, you know, the uh, Quarto de Seminis, is that then you had those who believed 
And Rome, the Latin church, would be the one who believed that it should be on a Sunday rather than setting it on the where Passover is. So previously it could have been any day of the week. Is that it, what you're yeah. saying? Oh, it wasn't always Sunday. No, no, no. Oh, no. It wasn't always Sunday. And it was always connected where in the Hebrew calendar Passover Sorry. was. And Sunday was insignificant. That, that wasn't important to oh, them. True. Remember that, you know, again, you're, you were putting it within the framework of the, of the Jewish tradition. Sunday was not important. As mm. time went on, Christianity started to grow and continued to grow. Sunday became the Lord's Day. That became the holy and sacred day as opposed to the Sabbath. Yeah. So you have those now who believe you had two basic groups. Uh, Rome, who said it should be on a Sunday. And the Orthodox said, no, it should be, you know, connected, you know, to the uh, different, closer to Passover and such. Uh, they, then you had the Gregorian calendar. One followed it, one did not. You have these arguments going on, and these arguments become very, very serious when it comes to, you know, how churches did or didn't work together. Um, there were... Again, archbishops or bishops, not just archbishops, were being excommunicated. Um, there were some that it was recommended for, um, for execution. They're, they took their arguments very seriously. Uh, you know, they didn't have, they, they, I think they were more honest in some ways. You had, um, you, plus you had the threat of the schism between Orthodox and, and Latin and it became part of that whole picture then when finally the break took place. But there was trouble, you know, in a sense in paradise a long time before this. And part of it, part of what led to all of it was the arguments concerning um, the, uh, concerning where the Easter should be. Now, having said that, in a sense, is that there are still arguments. Now, it's coming up on the, let's see, 325. This would be... What what anniversary? Okay, I gotta find my what anniversary here. It's coming up, the and the seventeen hundredth anniversary of the Council of Nicaea will take place in twenty twenty five. There have been rumblings and there have been there's been talk between the Orthodox and the Latin right is that maybe it's time after seventeen hundred years that we finally bring this to a common day when we celebrate Easter. Whoa. It has raised its, its head, you might say, and to some its ugly head, because even within where you are right now between Orthodox and Roman, even within in each of these, there are the Eastern Rite churches that, that came back to Rome, mm -hmm. but they still follow the Julian calendar when <laughs> it comes to Easter. And so even though they're part of the Roman Latin Rite, mm -hmm. or part, I should say, part of the union with Latin Rite, they celebrated at different times. And so then you have those who very proudly say, we're going to celebrate it, you know, when the Roman Church does, we're going to celebrate with the... And so even within the Orthodox or the Latin Rite, you have different groups who are still celebrating it at different days. See, now, then to make everyone happy, you just split the difference. If... Easter, well, I guess this year Easter is only a week apart from each other. I was going to say, if it's two weeks, it's the week right in the middle. Then everyone's happy. If it were only that easy. <laughs> if it were only oh. that easy. So, the, but, the, but the hope is, I mean, in some ways the hope is, is that, uh, that discussions, and, and, the, and the Roman, I should say, the Latin church uh, really is in favor of this, setting a, a date, you know, um, now, are they in favor of them setting our date? Well, that's <laughs> always the question. You know, you can be for something, but is that within restrictions? Uh -huh. So, it will be interesting to see what happens between the churches as they hopefully can sit down with some sense of peace and civility and, and really talk about this and saying, you know, what kind of witness, and, and I think that part of this is, to me, it, it really would speak to the, the sense of witness of, of all of the, you know, 
Jesus-centered churches, Christ-centered churches, uh, particularly within the Orthodox and, and the Latin Rite, that to celebrate this, you know, on the same day. To me, it would give tremendous witness as opposed to having at times people looking at it and saying, why can't they get their act together? You know, what's wrong with them? As opposed to being saying, this this would be a powerful, powerful witness to the whole world mm-hmm. of what it means to celebrate the you know, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus um, so many years ago. Do they celebrate Christmas on the same day as we do? Or is it? Yes. Okay, so it's just Easter. Easter. I mean, I'm sure there's other feast days there. Things in like that. There, but, but remember, but Easter, the big one's Easter. Easter because of, of its connection to Passover and, mm. and all of that. Interesting. So, and, and when you think about it, even that is that the, the nativity, uh, that uh, though it's a major, major feast, of course, we know that, that was really more of an afterthought. <laughs> you know, no one cared when he was born until they realized he was Messiah. You know, no one cared. And care until he was dead. Well, yeah. You know, that, well, not even when he was dead. When, when, when they crucified Jesus, he was just one more young Jewish man who didn't know enough to keep his doggone mouth shut, and he paid a terrible price. It wasn't until the resurrection experience. Mm-hmm. That's when, when they kind of had to stand up and, and take another look, you might say. You know, you know, in a sense, it was another one bites the dust. Big, hairy deal. It would have been a common occurrence for the people of his day and age in Jerusalem and around the surrounding area. It would have been not unusual to see the bodies of young men hanging on crosses because they didn't know enough to keep their doggone mouth shut. They would have seen their friends up there. Mm-hmm. You know, their dads, their husbands. Um, you know, we... At times we have painted a picture that somehow, you know, Jesus was the only one crucified. No, there were a lot of people crucified. It was Rome's way of saying, don't mess with us. You mess with us, you're going to pay a terrible price. And here's the price. And along the road, someplace where people would travel, and regularly so, they would see the bodies of dead, rotting human bodies hanging from crosses because that's the price you pay for shooting off your mouth. That's who Jesus was. So, but it wasn't until the resurrection experience that they realized, wow, they're, they're, this is not the same. Mm-hmm. This is something different happening here. And then everything builds from there. You know, you don't care about the birth until there's new life. You know, you don't care about Mary until you realize she's the mother of. Then all of a sudden, they, they you know, somebody says, "Ooh, we ought to save this place wherever that might have been." <laughs> you know, and and that's why it's always kind of funny, you know, sometimes you you go to to Jerusalem or you go to to Israel, you know, and you travel the holy lands and then you'll have the person who is saying, "Here is the exact rock that Jesus' foot left this earth from when he was ascended into heaven. And how do we know that? Because you can see his footprint there right in the rock. Excuse me? Now, just give me a 10 bucks and I'll let you touch it. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, it's, it's so, in some ways it's so fluid. In many ways, it's so human. Mm-hmm. You wonder sometimes how did it ever survive all of these years when you talk about it's the church. True. How did it ever survive? Although, again, I would be in the camp, whichever date they set, I really don't care because it's been all over the place anyway, is that, you know, to somehow come to a, uh, a compromise on that and saying, how do, we, uh, how do we find a time and a place where we as a, a whole believing community can celebrate this significant event? So do they celebrate Lent the same time frame that we do? It's just longer or no, they, they celebrate, celebrate this? Same time frame, but based on their date. Okay. Based on their date. So they call it the Ash Great Lent. Wednesday could be different. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just uh-huh. A, uh-huh. one of those, one of those uh, Easter things that we don't think about until such time 
that you start to look at a little bit of the history and you recognize that these things were taken very seriously and these things were uh, have, have developed over thousands of years uh, into what we know them as today. And because we just don't plain live long enough, you might say, is that it's not until you start looking at the history books and you begin to recognize what's, what's all part of this, you begin to see that there's a whole lot more there than what at first meets the eye. But our day for Easter seems very consistent for how many since yeah. 325 or yeah, so. Yeah, since so 325. That's, that's impressive. It, it is. Uh, one of the few things that's been that consistent. <laughs> and who knows, we might be, we might be, after 1,700 years, we might be in the midst of something completely new, and we will celebrate it with our brothers and sisters of the Orthodox Church. Interesting. I, I think that would be pretty cool. Personally, mm -hmm. I think that would be really cool for us to kind of get our act together and to, to be able to celebrate it well that way. So there's other things, though, that when it comes to... Other Easter things. Other Easter things, and, and it's all tied together. So I want to just name some of those other Easter things that we, uh, we want to talk about. Some of the symbols that both for Lent, Easter, and all of that that we have. You know, for Lent, some of the symbols obviously would be fish, uh, incense, praying hands, those are pretty standard, and, and those are, are things that are really, uh, uh, that are common to us. Plus, you have a Palm Sunday, palms. Palms. Always. And it's amazing how people want to make sure I get my palm. That's almost part of our DNA in a way. You may never step foot in a church, but by God, I want to get those palms. I, ashes on Ash Wednesday, palms on Palm Sunday. Uh, you, you know, it's like, I, I want to get those things. Um yeah, sometimes we just got to start giving out more free things. Uh, well, that's—I was going to say that a bit. It seems that when we give things away free, that's what attracts sometimes people. Hey, that's okay. Holy Thursday, you have different symbols of the chalice, of course, Eucharistic symbols, oil containers. That refers to the uh, celebration of of the institution of priesthood. Uh, it's the blessing of the oils at the Chrism Mass. Um, again, that has changed in our diocese here. Uh, it is generally done on the Tuesday of Holy, Holy Week. Week. That's when our diocese has pretty much established for the Chrism Mass. And uh, so that's uh, an opportunity for people to, uh, uh, to celebrate that. Now, we have in our diocese, it has changed over the years in different ways. Right now, and I have a feeling that part of it is COVID and such, is that you are asked to have like one or two reps from each parish, whoever wants to go. It's by basically invitation only. I liked it much better when, um, in in and this is my my just my my personal preference, when pretty much anybody could come. Uh, place was jam packed, uh, even though and it it was uh, you had a couple of representatives of the clergy. You had like the, the person who was in charge of the uh, what they called at the time the priest senate. Uh, you had maybe your uh, your uh, deans from from each from each deanery mm -hmm. or district you might say at the time, and then the rest was just whoever people. It was just people whoever wanted to come in. And so it's uh, again part of part of that for me was just a representative of what these oils mean and, and that they are, you know, are out to everybody. And, and that's a lot of times when people don't see that, but there, were, there would be busloads coming from Sheboygan and, and you know, West Bend or from Kenosha. I know, or, it's so far away from well, here to West I, Bend. I know, it's I mean, terrible. Milwaukee to West Bend. Um, but it was, it was a uh, wonderful celebration. It, it's, it takes on a different flavor now. Mm -hmm. uh, again, changes as, as they are but certainly a significant celebration for all of that. Good Friday, you have certainly the cross, crown of thorns. Um, interestingly enough, the, um, the crown in our church now hanging on that cross, on, on the cross that's there, is actually a crown made of thorns. 
uh, it before it was more of a some uh, like some sticks sticks or yeah. branches or whatever woven. This is an actual made out of thorns from the Holy Land area. Wow, I'll and have to go look at it. They, I never noticed that. Yeah, it's they changed it this year. Um, they were mentioning is that it's actually similar to what you know when they talk about a crown of thorns, it. Hmm. It's it's what it would have been made of these kinds of thorns, and you're saying, man, who was crazy enough to weave that stuff together? Um, but you know, so it's and so you have that, and and even something a little bit more playful is that you had uh, Good Friday. You have a representation by hot cross buns. Those are also a symbol of uh, of Good Friday. Uh, it's really? part of it. Is it's the European staple of uh, food for the, many of the European folks. Um, it's made of a sweet dough uh, distributed to the poor. And uh, it became really a symbol of, of Good Friday as, as a way to, uh, to mark a time of, of what we eat, what we consume. And uh, it was also a source of blessing. Hmm. So that... You have other symbols, particularly of Easter. <clears throat> you had the egg, of course, which it was the shell was considered the tomb. And you had the white, the oaks, into the, open into the white. And then you moved into the, the gold of risen life. Mm. I'm not sure who figured all of that out. But also the idea was... Is that boiling eggs, and I'm, I know my mother used to do this, is if you boil eggs uh, in uh, onion skins, if you boil them in onion skins, they turn a beautiful mahogany brown. Interesting. And I remember that what mom would do is, is that we didn't have all sorts of dyes and everything, but because uh, that cost money, but she had onion skins. And I remember mom saving all of those up from cooking and such. And then she would boil. Like the brown part you peel off? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then she would boil all of that in onion skins, and they would turn out to be a rich brown color. Did it change the flavor of the egg then? No, no, no. just the color. And then what you would do is you would take a bit of butter or lard, and you would put it and it would have a real beautiful shine. And sometimes it would be a beautiful wood colors, mahogany colors. Uh, but the idea being is that it was the cross, a chest, a coffin. And it, it was... Uh, Interesting. Part of this was it was the way the poor, you know, the poor folks, that they would color their Easter eggs. Now, if you also tied, if you would tie a little, uh, like some herbs or some floral designs... Uh, Again, this was way beyond me, my stuff. <laughs> but if you would tie these things on the egg or somehow with string or whatever, it would leave designs in the eggs sure, of like sure. a small fern. If it's something. wet, yeah. yeah. It would leave a design. Yeah. And so it was a way that oftentimes the poor, you know, uh, would... Decorate. Decorate their eggs. Interesting. Later on, you know, there were different things that you could turn it red and whatever. I just know my memories, earliest memories, are when mom would make it in onion skins. Yeah, I guess we would always do the vinegar with the egg dye, like the little drop. You drop it in and then it fizzles and you dye it. And yeah, it doesn't taste like vinegar when you eat it. Yeah, so yeah. I guess I thought, you know, boiling it in onion skins mm. would change nope. it. Huh. Nope. Now... It's, it is the 19th century great goldsmith, Peter Carl Fabergé, oh. who took, you know, gilding eggs to a whole new level, whole new level. for the Tsar, of Alex, Tsar, um, Tsar Alexander III of Russia. Um, but those are worth millions, hundreds, hundreds of thousands and and have you ever i don't know if you've ever seen an actual one i don't know if i've seen it in person but i've definitely heard of them i've seen them you know and it was a um it was a museum uh, an exhibit in a museum and in milwaukee at oh this goes back a long time and i remember seeing that they had a couple of them <laughs> on and you you all you can do is just marvel at at the the stunning beauty of mm. of these eggs and uh, and and what, what are it, they? I mean, I know they have jewels and colors and all, but what is it made out of? Egg, 
Oh, it's like an actual it's egg? Actual egg. Oh, I thought it was... I don't know. Yeah, like the, the early metal ones are, or something. No, actual eggs. The early ones are actual. So he really took it to a whole, oh, a whole level. Oh, golly. Level. Okay. Then you have the Easter lily, which I'm allergic to, as I am to poinsettias. Uh, the pine. Easter, are you allergic to pine too? Uh, pine. Yes, pine is another one that that. Uh, so <laughs> how are you a priest if I don't you're know. allergic to lilies, pine, and poinsettias? Now the Easter lily was considered to be the most beautiful and majestic flower of the flowers. And eh. legend has it that it refused to bow when Jesus went through his, his suffering and crucifixion. All the other flowers bowed in reverence and with a sense of humility. The Easter lily... <clears throat> being that it would not because it was one of the most fragrant and beautiful flowers, eventually hung its head in shame and has humbly remained so ever since uh, because of, of how ashamed it was that it did it not bow, bow its head. Yes. Now, what I find interesting wow. in the midst of all of that is that uh, Easter lilies are not native to Palestine. They are actually uh, imported from there from Bermuda uh, in the 1800s. So, um, I mean, I actually do not. I'm not allergic, but I do not like the smell of lilies. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it either. I can't. For, for other reasons, but yeah. So, but that's why the Easter lily now hangs its head because of its shame for not bowing at the appropriate Shameful. time and being humble. The other thing you have is Easter baskets. <clears throat> oh, yes. Easter baskets. Um, part of my growing up, we always had a big basket for the family. Um, you didn't each get one. Mm. Maybe a couple times we did, but mostly it was just a basket for the family. We each got, like, my parents had one, and then, you know, Easter Bunny would bring my sister one and me one. But... He would hide the baskets, and I oh. hated that. So once I got older, I just refused to look and said, if the candy goes bad, I don't really care. <laughs> Rotten child. I know. Bad child. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was, there's nothing more I hated than going on a search. So, <laughs> so Easter eggs, you know, with Easter baskets were actually... Easter caskets. That's, you know, they were referred to that at first. Wow. And eventually... Morbid. Yes. But, you know, again... Full of candy. It was time. Caskets full of candy. And eventually the, there was a Roman proverb that said, Omne vivum ex ovo. All life comes from the egg. And so as Easter caskets now became more... Easter baskets. I mean, and it rhymes, so. Sure. Okay. So then eggs took on a whole new, you know, thing because they were important in Germany, um, in the in the Ukraine. Um, in fact, the colored eggs, there's a Ukrainian folktale that says a poor peddler went to the marketplace one day to sell a basket of eggs. Uh, he encountered a crowd mocking a man carrying a cross. And he, in the sense of being able to help, he set his basket down, ran to help the man carry the cross, and when he eventually came back, his basket was still there with all the eggs, but they were all beautiful colors. Ooh. The legend being Christ was the beggar and uh, Simon of Cyrene was the person who first had colored Easter eggs. Easter bunnies. No. <laughs> Uh-huh. Now, Easter bunnies, and I did not know this, so I, I, I learned something here, too. Um, the rabbit was originally a religious symbol for non-Christians. It was not... So a, maybe that's where the lucky rabbit's foot came from. Well, it might have been. There is a legend, though. Of course there the, is. The legend is that you had Estra the European goddess of spring, that she had a pet bird that would lay eggs of all sorts of colors. 
and that bird would lay eggs in baskets and hide them in all sorts of different places. On a whim, Estra transformed her bird into a rabbit, but it continued laying eggs <laughs> and remained unchanged from its feathered past, you might say. Uh, eventually, it turned more from Estra and became part of the Easter uh, and the Easter bunny eggs and new birds. Estra, like Easter. It's actually Estra, E-A-S-T-R-E, Estra. Hmm. Or some might say Estra. Interesting. Who knows? Who Who knows? knows? Who knows? Then you have more specifically a little bit about Easter baskets um, where were mostly with eggs. And originally the Easter baskets were not filled with candy. It was filled with healthy produce. And that makes sense. You brought this basket because you were uh, going through Lent and you didn't eat sweets and all of that. Now you brought this basket with all of the fixings, you might say, similar to a, a Thanksgiving basket. Mm-hmm. You brought this basket to um, to church and then these baskets were blessed on Easter Sunday. And this this food and all of these fixings, these were now used for your Easter feast. And so, so that's how it really began there. And eventually, you know, as the the healthy things like carrots and vegetables and such, carrots are for rabbits. Yeah, were were eventually replaced by you know the delicious things, the delicious things, like <laughs> chocolate eggs and all sorts of things like that. But or the, chocolate eggs if you're lucky. Yeah. The what's interesting is that depending upon where you go, as far as parishes. There are, or there may or may not be, uh, the tradition of, of having an Easter basket blessed. Uh, part of the parishes in, uh, in, for example, Waukesha, uh, there was a strong tradition of having uh, the blessing of Easter baskets. Usually, people would gather on Holy Saturday morning, where they would have morning prayer, and then after morning prayer. They would have all of these Easter baskets people would bring uh, and, and place them on the altar. And then we, they, we would bless these Easter baskets. Now, there were in these Easter baskets were candies and vegetables. And there were healthy things and sometimes yeah. not so much. But the, the foods in that basket were then going to be used for their Easter dinners. Now, the food was already blessed. Did they have to pray again over the food? Of course, you always prayed before meals. <laughs> you must be pagan. I know. Um, yes, of course. So, but because <laughs> it was only blessed. Inquiring minds. It had to be now as it comes. The parts are greater than. Okay. The, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Okay. So, it's it's a tradition, and it just depends upon a lot of times. It'll be ethnic backgrounds. Um, and sometimes just a tradition that is fostered, you know, by parishes. And then what? The, after all these people would then take uh, the um, the foods home. Now, one of the parts of that tradition that I always appreciated was that they would have a little basket for the pastor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it was always a kind gesture. And they had some incredibly yummy things in those baskets. It like was, each person would bring a little basket? For uh-huh. You could walk away with quite wow. a collection. Is that they would have their big basket, and then they would have a small basket for the for the pastor. So he didn't go hungry. Which mm, That was nice of them. Very nice. It was very, <laughs> very, very kind. And, yeah, but it speaks so much of... of the bounty of the earth mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. And then after, it was interesting, you had, you had morning prayer, you had the blessing of the baskets, and then after that, there would be a whole gathering of the folks for the Easter vigil and, and going through the practices, you might say. Oh, okay. But it was, so it was a whole morning of, of all sorts of preparation rites in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You had preparing for the rituals, you had preparing of the Easter candle and the decorating, and you had, you know, Easter baskets and you, all of these Church things. Church was a buzz. Yeah, it really was. And it, But there was a sense of 
there was a sense of simplicity and a sense of of anticipation of what was mm-hmm. what was to come, what was to happen, and and that was always a grace. Um, yeah, that was just always a grace where you know even the Easter candle, it's just been part of my preparation where. Um, I've always enjoyed being able to prepare the Paschal candle. I better check on that. That should be coming soon. It sh- yes, <laughs> it should be. Side note. <laughs> yes. Um, so it was. It was. A, it was really. There was some activity, but it was prayerful activity in so many ways. I would find myself, and even you know, with the morning prayer, there was again the blessing. There was the preparing for prayer in the evening for the mm-hmm. vigil. But then there was the prayer that took place as as I would, you know, prepare the candle or they would, you know, um, it was a prayerful atmosphere for our art environment people, you know, to prepare these, these sacred things. And uh, it was a lot of good things that happened. So hmm. just so many of these Easter things, as I call them, you know, that, that really can help a person when they start thinking about one, seriously think about getting involved. Two, starting some of these traditions in their own families. Uh, You know, going back, these are some of my earliest memories as a child, you know, to have the Easter basket or to have you know the, the the being quiet for from one to three on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. We didn't work. Dad wasn't in the fields um, when he could have been. He wasn't working on machines. We had to be quiet. You know during that three hour period. Interesting. We didn't always know why. It was something about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Did, but, you didn't go to church during that time. No, because we had our. Um, well, in the early ones, you, you just didn't have Holy Friday. All of these celebrations were like Easter was in the morning. Easter vigil was in the morning. Oh. And so that time was in the late 60s and such. and early 70s, you might say, when, for example, the vigil was actually a vigil. That you had Easter, Easter more, you know, on, sun, on Easter Sunday. That Good Friday was held, you know, at, at a reasonable time. So we did go to church in the afternoon on Good Friday. Yes, uh, that was usually held at three o'clock. Mm. We, we did go for that. Holy Thursday, uh, sometimes but not always, Dad would sing. We weren't always able to go as kids though. Um, but as we grew older, yeah, all of that was part of it. So I always encourage families, these things don't start when they turn teenagers. <laughs> you have to build this in. You know, your your routine, you know, whether it's, you know, Easter, the, the eggs, and, and to explain what those mean a bit. Um, you know, the jelly beans. There's that whole prayer card with different colored jelly beans that... Gross. You know, also gross. Yeah. Jelly you know, beans. there's the making... We all would weave together when we got palms on Palm Sunday. We had big honking bundles, you know, we would mm-hmm. get... Um, before they became so expensive. But we would weave, mom would show us how to weave crosses or to weave crowns. And then we would put those on crucifixes, you mm-hmm. know, in our house. Or we would place them near a, a, a sacred picture or something. All of these things were part and parcel of our, you know, heritage. Mm-hmm. We grew up breathing it. You know, it wasn't something... We heard about it more, obviously, when we went to religious education classes and such. But we were already imbued with it. It's that domestic we church. Yeah, very much at so. At home. Very much so. And that's why, you know, you want, I w- always want to encourage people, start it early when they're babies. They don't understand. It's okay. You understand and you will help them understand. And, and if you take pictures, you show them when they're older. See, yes. we've been doing this a long time. I can remember a picture that we had of my baby sister having a little uh, palm bracelet made that that they had put on her and took a picture. And then they had, but that was the one that went on the cross crucifix, <laughs> you know, in, in our family room. Mm-hmm. It starts young. Yeah. Starts young. For sure. And, and it, it you know, and even though a person may not, you know, practice it religiously, you know, pun intended, you know, as <laughs> they get a little older for a while, it is amazing how they come back to it. 
And, and, and I will have people say to me, Father Howard, would you bless this palm that we wove? Or, you know, if it wasn't blessed, would you bless, you know, this? Or could we do this? These are the things that people cling to as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And that, in some ways, that's where we fell down with some of this. We didn't pass it on to our, our, our kids. We didn't pass it on to the future generations. Um, for lots of reasons. And maybe, maybe as, you know, as time goes on, we begin to rediscover, you know, some of the parents today begin to rediscover uh, what it is to, to pass some of these traditions on, to rediscover them and, and mm -hmm. to have their children, you know, embrace that as time goes on. So Easter things. Easter of, things. Yep, lots of stuff there. Yeah, lots of good information. Uh, before we sign off, we wanted to mention that our attempt has always been to do, you know, semi-weekly or we as weekly as we could. But now post-COVID with has been some vacation issues and lots and lots of funerals and weddings and schedules have gotten quite crazy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Our goal, mm -hmm. we're going to take a step back. We're still planning on doing the podcast, but we're going to take a step back for a little bit, regroup, figure out what the best way to do it, with what frequency that actually works for schedules, and then come back better than ever. Right. Having a, a better plan and, and a better way of thinking this out. That, and this has been a, a lot of fun. I, I, I can't imagine... We've done, you said, around 82 of these. Uh, yep. I couldn't imagine myself having done just one of them, <laughs> and it was terrifying at the beginning. <laughs> right. Go back and listen to the first one to this one. I'm sure there's a difference. And um, But we need a better plan and a better set of how to do this because I, I really do want to continue this process. I, I People have been very supportive and have thought a lot about it. So, yes, uh, give us a little time, and we're going to let people know when we're back up and running mm -hmm. and to have a, a little bit more regularity and a little more uh, sense of having it planned out. So thanks That being so said, pray for all the people that are, like, passing away that we have to yeah, do these yeah. funerals for. We have a lot it's of funerals lately. So... so. All right, and with that, we're going to leave it there. We hope you enjoyed that episode, and we will see you in the future. Bye. Bye.